0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2021. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are...
1: Corey, they, them.
2: In Sequoia, she, her.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, Sequoia. You are a much more famous (laughs) fanfic-related podcaster than we are. I I don't know if famous is the word I'd (laughs) use. Well, by
1: comparison... I was about to say, I didn't know there were other fanfic-related podcasts.
0: Have we not actually had someone on yet from a fanfic podcast? That might
1: be true. I don't think so. Really? I thought we were the only one. (laughs) You
0: know... That might be right. We've we've had people on from like podcasts related to various fandoms or whatever. Mm, right. But maybe not who do fan fiction stuff as their thing.
2: Yeah, actually I think that there's a there's a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction podcasts specifically. So like if you're doing if you're doing a Harry Potter story, it might be easier to find a Harry Potter fan fiction podcaster, but I actually haven't I don't know much about other fandoms and the way that they engage with fan fiction through podcasting, but Harry Potter is, we're for sure,
1: out there. <laughs> I was going to say we've done several Harry Potter fanfictions, of course, as you do. <laughs>
3: well,
0: right, but that was before I got confident enough to cold call other people online.
4: Do mm.
1: be random guests. Yeah, um, which you've been doing great with.
0: And speaking of which, thanks again for responding to our cold call, Sequoia. And yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about your engagement with Harry Potter and fan fiction and the fandom? Because you do quite a bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I loved Harry Potter growing up as a kid, as a teenager. I started writing fan fiction when I was about 11 years old. Um, so I wrote a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction between like 11 and 17 years old. And then I stopped writing it for a while um, and became really involved in the fandom. So. I was going to Harry Potter conventions like Leaky Con, um, and getting really into Wizard Rock. I love Wizard Rock, and then I learned about Muggle Quidditch through being a part of the fandom. I went to a I went to a convention, and my roommate at the convention was the captain of the UMass Amherst team, and they taught me all about. Muggle Quidditch. So I went home, started a team at my university and then was just like really really into that for a good like five-ish years. Um, where I was a referee, a tournament director and worked for the International Quidditch Association, the US Quidditch Association and was the director of the International Referee Development Program. Um, so I did that for a while and that sucked up all of my time and money. So I wasn't doing a lot of like Harry Potter, Harry Potter stuff, just doing a lot of like sports Harry Potter stuff, which is like a really weird sentence to say out loud. Um, yes, but... Sakalia, actually,
0: can I interrupt you? Because I know people play Quidditch, but I've never really yeah. looked into it. How do you actually make it playable? Like, what are the rules changes that let you actually play Quidditch?
2: Right. Um, so the, the most the thing that people ask first is always, how do you fly? Because you don't. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) what you do is you have a broom and they have like fancy ones that look like they do in the movies. But the like the most professional teams use basically what looks like a long piece of PVC pipe. Um, And you have to keep that between your legs at all times. That means you are on broom. If you ever come off broom, then you are considered out of play until you tag back in at your offensive hoops. And then you can be back in play. So, like, that's how it gets around the kind of, like, flying, being on your broom scenario. Um, And then it just basically functions like a combination of dodgeball and handball and... The snitch is like a really bonkers wrestling cross-country mix-up, mash-up, whatever. Uh, So the snitch is a person, and they have kind of like flag football, you have a flag on each hip. Instead, they have a ball in a sock, basically, attached to the back of their shorts. And they are usually like a wrestler or a cross-country runner, and the seeker has to get that off of the back of them. And there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of rules um, in this game. I refereed for a long time. There are tons and tens of rules. Um, and the bludgers are dodgeballs. So you just have to make sure you don't get, get uh, touched by a bludger. Otherwise, you have to drop the ball you're holding and come off broom. And it's like you've been hit off your broom by a flying bludger. So There's a lot involved in it, and it's super fun to watch because it's like watching three games happening simultaneously that are all sort of uh, influencing each other. It never gets boring.
0: I know I'm taking us further and further off track and we haven't even gone anywhere yet, but (laughs) I'm I'm really curious about one other thing here, which is that the snitch being a person makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. but it seems like where the snitch decides to go is actually a kind of really big deal in the game, right? Like what side of the court they're going to hang out on or like how do you how do you have the snitch move in an unbiased way across the field
3: that is
2: such a good question um so there is a dedicated snitch referee so that person uh has the ability to sort of tell the snitch like you've spent too much time on this team's half of the field you need to move around a little bit um and then as the game goes on i think that Last time I thought, saw this was maybe only in Major League Quidditch, but you had to. The snitch gets. They're they're the. The space in which the snitch gets to move gets smaller and smaller as the game goes on, uh. So it, like your game can't last a bajillion years. Like it has to end at some point because the snitch, catching the snitch is still what ends the game. So. There is a little bit of uh, subjectivity to that that is up to the referee.
4: Very cool.
1: That's wow. So they really they really made it work. Uh, they, Harry yeah. Potter fans, I have to say, are very dedicated fans. Like
2: I I think the only other fandom that I am familiar with that I can really put on par with Harry Potter fans are Star Wars fans. Um mm. but I I know I know there's a lot of fandoms that I'm also not very familiar with, but there is something about Harry Potter fans that is so the fandom is like a big family more than anything else. Like you go to a fan event and you're just sur- like surrounded by your like kind of weird, wonderful family of a bunch of nerds and a bunch of like people who found this fandom because they found a place where they belonged in a world where they felt like they didn't. Uh, And that's why the, the Harry Potter fandom is actually like really, really, really full of queer people. A lot of Queer people are in the fandom, and that's why we reject J.K. Rowling as a person uh, entirely. But yeah, the fandom has been a really wonderful home to always come back to, even when I stopped doing Quidditch and hadn't been around for a couple years. Even when I came back, there's still fan fiction happening. There's still new wizard rock bands popping up all the time, and it just never stops producing content and creativity and, like, sparking in people the want to create something, which I think is really cool.
0: Well, that's a good segue into you coming back into it. And you've started up, I guess, years ago now, a podcast about Harry Potter fan fiction, right?
2: Yeah, I think our podcasts are like pretty equally uh, old as far as how long we've been doing them. Um, We started in 2017. And basically, one of my very best friends when we had were living together in college, we would sit. We made a blanket fort in our uh, living room because very cool college kid stuff. And we would sit in this blanket fort and... Read Harry Potter fanfiction. It started with me being like, oh, I used to write Harry Potter fanfiction, then them being like, I have to see this. Um, and then reading my fanfiction and being like, wow, did you accidentally write some porn? And I was like, no, I am ace. I just literally didn't know that that was what I was doing. Uh, but they like, uh, we would find the craziest pairings we could possibly find and read them out loud to each other in our blanket fort. And then years later, we were like, what if we made that into a podcast where we found just the absolutely most bonkers stuff we could find and treated it with the kind of love that we treat fan fiction with? So that is when we started the podcast Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them.
1: Say, I like the amount of, of passion you talk about the, uh, the fandom with. Like, uh, one thing we've observed, or at least especially I've observed, because I didn't know m- as much about, especially Harry Potter, but like a lot of fan communities, is like how much of a community fan fiction is, fandom is, like these individual places. And it seems like, yeah, Harry Potter is very, um, especially like you said, it's a lot of queer people, like just people finding their their family where maybe they didn't have one before.
2: Yeah, I, do, I love fandom and I will always I I don't know that I still love the Harry Potter books is kind of the weird part of it. I don't I don't think I really do. I love uh some of the themes that you can bring out. Uh if you are the kind of person who's like looking at it and wanting themes out of it, but I think the thing that I love is the community and the fandom, and I love fan fiction, and I love the, the creation and creativity that comes out of it.
0: Well, that's great. I yeah. think we chose a creative, interesting fanfic to talk about today. Yes. Um, so we always try to choose something that is old, because that's the premise of the podcast that I decided unilaterally when we started this, and also well-regarded. And- I I have something from 2005 that we're talking about today, which is kind of mm-hmm. the far end of what we talk about. But um, when when was that in terms of the books coming out? It seems like uh, fifth one at least six. was out, right?
2: I think that's post, post book, book six. six.
0: Oh yeah, they talk yeah. about Umbridge material, but it's before the end of the series for sure. Yes. Uh, the, mm-hmm. sto- and the story here is called Lily Potter and the Worst Holiday. It's by I'm not sure how to say it out loud. Bob Sakara, perhaps.
2: Yeah, It'll I be, think so.
0: Obscura seems right and it seems to have been fairly well regarded. It's like 28,000 words, which for us is kind of shortish. Or sh- on the shorter side. And for, for me you, it's really much longer long. than what you usually talk about.
2: Yeah, we <laughs> do <laughs> stuff that's under four, under 5,000 words. Should, well, no, that's a lie. We keep everything under 2,000 mm-hmm. words. Um because we read the whole thing. Wow. So kind of got to keep it on the shorter end. And we do it in like a one shot context where um, there are Harry Potter fan fiction podcasts that are dedicated to reading just like one really, really massive novel length one. There are some that do seasons that are like one fan fiction is a season Uh, There's a lot of different ways that Harry Potter fan fiction podcasts are structured, but we do do ours in a one shot structure. So everything is under 2000 words long. uh, And this was definitely long for me, but they managed to like cram so much information Mm -hmm. into that's a small amount of words for what we got out of it, honestly. Yeah, it
1: feels longer for sure. It feels like, well, we'll talk about it, but I really felt like this fanfic felt like it was a whole book. Like it had a, an arc. It just kind of compressed it down to 28,000 words.
0: Yeah. I was, th- I was thinking about that too. Actually, and we'll, we'll talk about that. There's four chapters in this story and you just see the narrative arc being constructed. It's like, oh, introduction and inciting incident and then mostly a lot of plot dumping leading up to a climax. And then, you know, the <laughs> whole action scene and then the falling action. And that's how the four chapters are structured. Just bam, 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 bam. So, yeah, yeah it, it feels very, very full, uh, which means we should probably start talking about the content, I suppose. So who <laughs> wants to start us off talking about kind of how the story opens and what our setup is?
2: I'll start out, if that's okay. Please. <laughs> okay, because I really love the open of this story, actually. I think it does a really great job setting you up, like you are immediately in the headspace, okay, I am in an alternate universe. We start out and we get Lily Potter's name in the first couple of sentences. So it gets you immediately right in the mindset as far as reading a fan fiction is concerned. I think that's great. Um, And it also immediately puts you in the mood of where we start, which is like sad and tragic, you know? Um, it does a really good job setting that up. You get Lily, you get Halloween, and you get that there has been a tragedy. So immediately you're in the right mind space, but you're also immediately wanting to know why. Because we're in a whole new universe. We're in a whole new story. What is it that happened in this universe that's different than the actual Harry Potter books? Um, So in the beginning here, when we get introduced to a bunch of different characters. We get Dean Thomas. They don't have to tell you, the author doesn't say, this is the year blah, 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 which would have been Harry's blah, blah, blah year at school, right? They don't have to do that because what they've done is just have you bump into T- Dean Thomas, which I think is And they is say a really... he's a seventh
0: year Gryffindor.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's a really wonderful way for the author to place us where we need to be without having to, like, do some expository thing that is, like, less fun to read or uh, more obvious, I guess.
0: It's also very natural for Lily to be sorting Dean Thomas into, oh yes, Dean Thomas, the seventh-year Gryffindor, inside her head, because Lily Potter is the charms professor at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, she's a chaperone on a visit to Hogsmeade. And I think, The last thing that this sets up in like the first few paragraphs like those kind of elements you said i'd say the last one is the sense of looming dread
3: where she says oh
0: right now it's halloween and usually that's like a happy holiday in the wizarding world but right now the quote is but there seemed to be something in the air around hogsmeade everyone appeared to sense it it was as if they were anticipating something big something unknown whatever that something was it made the hairs on the back of lily's neck stand on end which might be slightly direct but it certainly like sets the tone yes and we also get in relatively short order some of the backstory that's going to be emerging you mm-hmm. catch that a couple of you know dean's classmates were killed by a troll in the bathroom <laughs> in their first year <laughs>
3: Hmm.
0: i like that they don't even go named at this point in the story because for one thing you the reader know and for another yeah. thing Lily's probably not really thinking about their names so much this at this point six years later anyway, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that horrible shit that went down.
2: Right. And she saw their mangled bodies or whatever, so she kind of doesn't want to, yeah, handle that.
0: And it makes that whole scene retroactively feel a lot more real from the first book. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you could you could have been squashed by a bug by this monster that could have happened.
3: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, like, already, tonally, there's a lot of darkness. And, like, of the other thing Lily's thinking about is that the night her baby son died, right? And that's... Oh, okay. speaking intense. of children being murdered. <laughs> well, yeah. yes, that's... I guess we didn't say that. This is the difference in the timeline. Is Harry died as a baby, but his parents did not.
2: I think that uh, as as... When we get this, we get it in the context of a memory so we have like a little italics here we've got the the memory of what happened them running up the stairs lily um begging that she's gonna get there in time and them opening the door to harry's baby bedroom and seeing that they had not gotten there in time um and that absolutely sets exactly the kind of tone that you're saying with the darkness Is that not only do we just get like, oh, in this timeline, Harry died. We get that at that flashback moment um, to Harry or we get that flashback moment to Lily finding her son dead.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's it's kind of intense right off the bat. We I mean, this is all most it's pretty much from Lily's perspective. Right. Like. As a perspective character, I feel like you instantly kind of have empathy for her just because you're open into that window of this traumatic event that happened for her and how she's feeling now. And also, they have two new children. Well, not new. They have two children um, who are like, I think, like 13 and, 13 15, and 15 or something 15? like that. I think. Yeah. 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 And so, like, Lily trying to kind of hold things together on this when she's feeling this way um, and interact with her kids, too, is kind of, um, I don't know, it just feels very relatable. It gives you a lot of empathy for her, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you meet her kids, even though they really don't matter in the larger sense, and I don't remember anything about them except that they exist (laughs) and I can see their names on the page. And James (laughs) also shows up. Like, they're all meeting in Hogsmeade right now, along with Lupin and Sirius. And I've got to say, as a professional educator, I was like, Lily, now is not the time to be meeting up with your husband. You are chaperoning these children. Like, <laughs> this is not a family reunion time. Yeah. Okay. Really, but, be like, more available. The
1: Harry Potter universe. Oh, right. You're I right. Feel like... the, the
0: threshold <laughs> of how responsible the adults in the Harry Potter universe have to be is way lower. You are right. Mm-hmm.
2: The yeah. bar is on the ground. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not entirely clear why Lupin and Sirius are meeting up with him right then, either, except that like, I guess it they they arranged it, whatever, yeah, Extended it seems family. like
2: Lupin is the the defense against the dark arts teacher. uh, oh, is he? Oh, that makes sense. yeah, right.
0: right.
3: So
2: that's why he's there. And Sirius yeah. is there to uh smuggle his daughter into Hogsmead, even though she's not old enough to go on the Hogsmead trip yet. Um, oh, and I'm not right, entirely right. sure why James is there.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I kind of read this a little while ago. Actually, I'm, I'm blanking on a few of the details.
2: Trying to figure out why James. is
0: there. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> no, he really is just there to like, go say hi to his wife and kids. Well, yeah, to sort to of be. establish
2: like, the world that uh, you, we, cause it isn't inherent that James is going to be alive. Or that they're going to be together. Or, you know, you have to establish all those things by being like, here are the children. Here is James. I was
1: going to say, it also seems like he's sort of there to help watch their kids, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Especially their son seems very excited to see him. Remy is their son's name. Seems very excited to see his dad and, like, jumps all over him and starts talking a mile a minute. Which was very cute, like, a cute moment for a kid. Though, if he's 13, that seems a little, eh. <laughs> it seems like he was a little younger, I guess. But <laughs> yeah,
2: he was written a little young. I like that his name, his name is, I I think we are being led to believe that his name is Remus and they call him Remy to distinguish him from Remus. Uh, And I think we're also being, uh, Alice is the name of Neville's mother, Alice Longbottom. Um. So I sort of wonder if Alice is named after Alice Longbottom.
0: That would make a lot of sense because, as we are going to learn, the Longbottoms were murdered, right? And Yo, their gets child gets
2: like the shortest stick of all sticks in this fan fiction.
4: <laughs> well, one Neville Boy, does anyway. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: Well, the yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah.
0: Well, I- yeah. Well, that's the thing we're talking about. You know, oh, all this setup. All this setup is about the first third of the first chapter and then the plot starts and way more things have to be established. And the plot so kicking is. in is basically this like huge dramatic CGI, you know, scene of like the wind blowing up and like, you know, magical effect, dumping a gaggle of teenage, older teenage protagonists into the middle mm-hmm. of like Hogsmeade. And, covered in you goo. You know, the text you, is it, effectively it's, set it's up. It's
2: important that we know that goo. they're covered in goo. <laughs>
1: It really is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and... I felt like that was a, a good visual. Like, they just kind of, like, show up. It's a bunch of kids just, like, yeah, covered in black ooze. So you're just like, whoa, what? <laughs> Everyone's like, whoa, what?
0: And one of them in spectacles says, Mooney, Moony, mourn Dumbledore. Voldemort has Time Turner. <laughs> it's all very dramatic. I like it. I, I also just yeah. have to laugh at how... If you're making the time turner important, it makes the whole thing with Hermione having it in book three even even more ridiculous in retrospect than it already was. And mm-hmm. it was already pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's OK. Their time turner is important. We're just going to roll with it.
1: It was it was probably the easiest way to do what they needed, though, right? Like, because, you know. You know what the time turner is. Even if you don't know what a time turner is, it's called a time turner. So you're just like, okay, yeah, something, alternate realities, blah, blah, blah. As soon as the kid says that, you're like, oh, yeah, these kids, these are the, our main protagonists from our universe, right? You just know.
0: It makes right. sense. And, and the magic babble hangs together. I just, I just love Dumbledore being like, oh, yeah, Hermione, you want to take some extra credit? Here, travel through time. <laughs>
2: yeah, that is ridiculous.
0: I can give this to a 13 year old. I'm Dumbledore. <laughs> he
2: has like no idea how to the, take
1: care of children. the bar is on the ground. <laughs> the bar is on the ground.
0: <laughs> 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 huh. And then we've got a kind of extended detective sequence because all of the kids are unconscious and everyone's kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And they drag them back to, to Hogwarts, of course. I mean, everybody gets pulled back to Hogwarts after something like that. And You know, way more things need to get established, such as the fact that the war against Voldemort in this timeline, which we now, which we understand we're in a different timeline, the war against Voldemort is happening, kind of like it does in the books, right? Like he's out there, he's revived, like it's bad news. Things, children have died, all that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, they're still in. Uh, they're still in the phase of like he's operating in the shadows, and not everybody knows that he's back and. They're still in like a like a book five.
0: Order of the Phoenix, yeah.
2: Yeah, space with it. And I think that's important to establish uh, going into this, especially um, given the changes to their timeline since Harry was not there that have happened in the past four years that we get during this extended detective sequence where they they clean the goo off of one child at a time and then we sort of, get some exposition around that
0: we do and because five of the six kids are people who are known in this timeline we get some cool points of uh, like i like that they draw out some points of interest here like when madam well she's called poppy
4: what's her name um
2: uh pomfrey Um,
0: pomfrey lily calls her poppy right
2: Yes, Poppy Pomfrey.
0: Is that, this is the same person. Yes, Poppy mm-hmm. Pom, And I like that even though it, I had had to remember, like, what was her actual, what was the name that I know her by? Like, <laughs> for example, when Poppy Pomfrey is examining um, Ginny Weasley, there's a thing where they're like, oh, her life has been drained. Like, you know, Ginny Weasley's a student at this school, but like this, this, this is also Ginny Weasley, but like her life has been drained. It's taken years off of her life. She seems pretty much okay otherwise. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's interesting, because, like, these are this is shit that Ginny's been through because of book two in the original, you know, the whole, like, um, Riddle Diary deal.
2: Yeah, um, the whole the whole part where Ginny goes through an extremely traumatic event and then seemingly gets no help afterwards.
0: So, <laughs> Sequoia, have you read <laughs> The Very Secret Diary? No. That is probably our favorite Harry Potter fanfic we've read on this podcast, and it's the entire text of the exchange diary between Ginny and Tom Riddle <gasps> from Book Two, and it's Ooh. our 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 conclusion was it's a lot better than Book Two was <laughs> as it work.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I gotta I gotta check that out. That sounds very interesting.
1: It's really good. It's uh, like trigger warning. You know, it's like exactly as bad as you would think it would be. So <laughs> abuse, gaslighting, um, torture. But it's really. Yeah, it's really well done, but it's, it's yeah, it, it's, it is, it is, it's good. It's also bad. <laughs> it's yeah. good and bad.
0: It's very well done is what it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly that.
0: Uh, but yeah, going back to the kids, we also get the background on on Neville, which is yeah. that Neville in this timeline was the boy who lived.
1: hmm And he died. So, yeah. <laughs> And this is interesting. I don't. I don't think we get this right away. But like shortly after we get that Neville in this timeline, yeah, he was killed in the Triwizard Tournament. I think.
0: Yeah, he, he yeah. was yeah. a sacrifice for Voldemort.
1: Right, and, and, but before that, he was just kind of like an arrogant ass because he was the Boy Who Lived, right? Which I was sort of like, Neville, come on, like he doesn't seem like. I mean, Harry's not mostly not an asshole. So why was Neville <laughs> such an asshole? But whatever.
2: That's what, I mean, when, when Dumbledore explains why he wants to leave, one of the reasons why he wants to leave Harry with the Dursleys, it's because he doesn't want him growing up in a space where he is a famous person. Um, he wants him ah. to have like a normal childhood. So I think that that's sort of drawing on that to say that like Neville did grow up as a celebrity.
1: I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Harry obviously grew up being abused by his, his uh, uncle and aunt. So like, uh, yeah, he wouldn't grow up with a, a very strong ego.
2: Yeah.
0: Have we uh, have you seen the second fan Harry Potter musical? Anybody? Yes. My favorite song from that is just Harry frickin Potter, which is everybody Harry gushing over Harry Potter. as a celebrity.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh but yeah speaking of changes in the timelines and them and the detective novel when they're examining they're examining a child with spectacles who is unnamed but who we the readers know is harry potter right who did not die in his own timeline and madame pomfrey's like uh this kid was malnourished as a child and they're all like "Ooh, shit like child abuse and -hmm. you're like oh yeah every time anfic authors tend to be pretty good about making that shit real instead of just like a. You know, a vaguely well, isn't it funny that they kept him
2: in a almost, cupboard under yeah. the stairs? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Originally, it's a lot more raw doll, and I think fanfic writers make it maybe yep. a little bit less raw doll, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. To make it real, which it's interesting. Yeah, I have noticed this trend of, I mean, not just with Harry Potter, but especially with Harry Potter fanfic authors, yeah, making the world real. Not mm-hmm. shying away from what these experiences would really be like for these kids, um, right? Uh, yeah, there's one other thing I was going to say too, which is, oh yeah, we established that it was Ginny, Luna, Neville, Ron, Hermione, and yeah, the kid that and we Harry. assume is Harry.
0: Yeah, it's Harry. Though so he does change shape, and they're like, oh, this child is a metamorph mage,s and I. I've got to say, in all the things in this fanfic, that was one point where I was like, what? what? Where did that come from?
2: Yeah, like, when I was trying to explain this fanfiction to my co-host, I was like, I think that what's happening is like, this is an alternate universe, right? And we're in this alternate timeline, and the the Harry, the, the six kids that show up in their timeline are from yet a third timeline right so the whatever the timeline is in our regular harry potter books that we read is none of these people are from that so harry
0: that's not
1: that's not what i took it to be really no me neither no i thought they were from our established timeline
0: i thought they were just supposed to 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 be like from book seven that did not exist but extended from the timeline you know, insofar as the author knew it. Except that really doesn't make any sense with Harry being a metamorph magist, because all you learn about metamorph magi from Tonks is like, oh yeah, you're born one. Yes. And like... Oh, good point, yeah. So, so maybe you're right, Sequoia. Like, I, that was just something that seemed to come out of nowhere in a fanfic that otherwise seems very concerned with things hanging together in terms of like minute continuity details.
2: Yes. That, uh, because yeah. that was thrown in in that way, I took it to be a completely third separate timeline.
1: Well, I mean, we can take that, it that yeah. way. That would make sense. That could very well be the case. It it did sort of seem like just an excuse for them not to recognize Harry at first. Or, you know, like for Lily, because not that they necessarily would, but for him to be distinctly unrecognizable, because he's disguised himself to look like um, that one horrible professor, famous guy who turned his arm into jelly.
2: Yes. Um, they're all
1: dressed up for Halloween. Lockhart, yeah. They're all dressed up for Halloween. But there are so many other ways he could disguise himself with magic. So it actually, yeah, it's not... It, it's There's really no reason to have that be the case unless that is the implication. So.
3: And it, yeah.
2: I, we'll get into it, but it is instrumental in the story later.
1: Right. Right.
0: Which is probably why it's done. And we should probably keep going because we're still in think of chapter one there's Ooh, four chapters okay. here ch- ch- yeah. chapter one ends at the end of the detective work their theory had been oh they must be from a timeline that diverged you know back in year one of hogwarts in our book system because these two weren't killed by the troll so they must have been from a continuity where that didn't happen or whatever and dumbledore eventually makes the conclusion no that's not when this timeline split off it probably split off halloween farther away ago when your child was murdered and this is Harry Potter and you get the dramatic Lily realizing that like, this is her, her murdered as a baby child. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's understandably very emotionally affected by this and, you know, runs to him and he's still still unconscious at this point. Right.
2: He's passed so out. She... He saw his parents and passed out.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That seems kind of on point for Harry Potter, honestly.
2: He's he's real good at painting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And being emotionally affected by his dead parents. So yes. two things that Harry's great Checks at. Checks out. <laughs> and it of doesn't... course, um...
4: oh, go on. I was just going to say, it doesn't mean we end the chapter on um, Lily saying, Harry, b- baby, Harry, wake up. Which is going to be a motif.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then and um the other thing is that the families, because um Hermione and Ron were killed as first year or second year, whenever they were killed by the first years, right? By the mm-hmm. troll in the bathroom in this timeline. So we get, you know, the Weasleys called and um was it Paulina and someone else Granger, Hermione's parents who are still alive in this timeline. Um called in you know and so eventually i think it starts chapter two off where they're all in um dumbledore's office and their families alternate timeline families are with them
0: Yeah. so we've got six alternate timeline children there are six respective families except neville i guess who doesn't have one in this family to speak of in, this in any timeline shit out of luck yeah in any yep. ever. <laughs> We've got Ooh. Dumbledore around, we've got Sirius and Lupin, we've got so many characters and so many little like sub plots or like character beats going on here. It's really thick. And so I guess in chapter two, like, what do you actually want to talk about here?
2: I think it's important to talk about uh, how Lily is engaging with this because we are getting it all from Lily's POV. And Lily is engaging with this entire scenario with like, High, high, high anger, because Hermione is like, no. at the end of at at the at the beginning of this chapter, we find out that Hermione was like, "You are not allowed to look at Harry or touch Harry. Go away because Hermione doesn't trust any of these people. She comes from a timeline where basically everyone is dead, and everything's a nightmare. So, She doesn't trust them. She thinks it's a trap, everything. uh, And so she's not letting Lily near Harry, her fiance. Let me just, I'm sorry. I just have to have have a moment where I say her harmony is the worst. Um, But (laughs) Lily is angry throughout the majority of this chapter because she, all she wants to do is see her son and she is, she feels that most of this information is irrelevant. There's a lot of exposition here at the top. We're having Dumbledore ask Hermione what is happening in her timeline. So we get Hermione telling us, you know, bullet points basically about things that are happening in her timeline. And Lily is does not care about any of this. She doesn't care. She just wants to see her son.
4: Which I think makes
1: sense, but what what was a little bit hard for me is that we have a lot of empathy for Lily up to this point. She's you know she's very caring about all of these kids, but as soon as the idea of Harry being alive and Hermione preventing her from seeing him, she just starts thinking these awful, nasty thoughts at Hermione and calling her little girl in italics in her head. She's like the little girl, and just like she's just so spiteful in her head towards Hermione, which. I, I get why she's being prevented from seeing her son by this young lady, but it was just kind of a strange shift very suddenly. I don't know if you all felt that way. But.
0: I, I felt that. I mean, I understand it's like misdirected anger because, yeah, for all the reasons Sequoia just talked about. There's also kind of this theme in this chapter especially that it's very concerned with, like, the females having female feelings. I'm making air quotes.
3: Mm-hmm. With, like,
0: Lily having these, like, these mother feelings and Hermione having yeah. these, like, protective lover feelings. And, for example, James doesn't really have any feelings. I mean, not the BBC yeah, that or the, out.
1: Like The other strange part, yeah, is, like, why is James not just as angry? He's, like, actually just his only role is basically to calm his wife down. And that's where I felt like, yeah, there was some, uh, misogyny here perhaps I felt don't even know
0: the emotional, ex- the emotional experiences and like things that are going on with characters felt a little gendered to me going on here and also mm-hmm. when like Harry later in the fanfic is going to get to be like you know not to spoil things but he's going to get to be like the cool actiony hero kind of guy like people yeah. sometimes want Harry to be for some reason you know
1: <laughs> so what else is he going to do
2: yeah, this is that's yeah. another thing. Is this has got to be a third timeline because what is Harry today? Um, but yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I also I also got that really hard and especially because uh, because she she just Lily keeps calling her little girl in those italics and it was very. There was a lot of like menace in it and a lot of like she mm-hmm. she really, uh. And a lot of her she doesn't care what they what they came from. She doesn't care about the other timeline and just wants to see her son. But then on the flip side, she wants to know what happened to her son, not to anyone else, really. She wants right, to know right. what Harry's what happened to the Harry in this timeline, why he is malnourished, why he has these signs of abuse, like she's concerned that she abused him because it does not occur to her that she's not alive in that timeline um which is a little strange but like yeah she's very 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 concerned about harry and not concerned about anyone else in a way that seemed really opposite to her uh her in the first chapter
3: yeah
0: because these were all all these people who have like come back to life so to speak like from this alternate timeline were Mm -hmm. literally her students in her house that she was specifically in right. charge of. And it even makes a point in chapter one of saying like, oh, she got close to the Grangers after Hermione died. And like, she kind of yeah. like helped help therapy them through, that's not the word, uh, <laughs> through their loss and that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that part was, it was super strange. She goes to the Grangers' house to tell them about Hermione. She's obviously close with the family. And then she's thinking these spiteful things about Hermione just because... Hermione is engaged to her son well and won't let her see him but she won't let her see him for like not just for the fact Hermione even explains to Lily is like once you know she's kind of more clear that these people are real and it's not a trap Hermione says to Lily like he was in shock when he saw you we need to take he needs to recover from his shock before he can see you and Lily still doesn't listen to that so yeah I don't know I I, I get her determination having your your dead baby brought back to life, probably really intense. But again, James doesn't have any of the same feelings. So it just makes her seem frightful and irrational, which is not how she seemed at all in the first chapter. Right. So it does get to come back up um, later that she gets to feel bad about how she reacted towards Hermione. But yeah. It's still weird.
0: I-, I get it because the author's trying to like add some like human emotion to some of these situations. And I think You know, that's supposed to be, like, you're supposed to take that, oh, this is an understandable but misdirected piece of anger. It's just only sympathetic Mm -hmm. up to a point.
2: Yeah, it goes on for too long.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's basically it.
0: What I was really, like, pleased with in terms of, like, making these connections that, like, I never would have made was... I'm gonna call her our continuity Ginny just because I still think that's what we're going for. Future Ginny, whatever.
3: Mm -hmm. Ginny who
0: traveled through time gets really angry when she sees her mm. counterpart. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's saying, why are you here? And, you know, other Ginny is like, what are you talking about, other me? And she's like, if Carrie died in this timeline, how are you still alive? And it's because this other Ginny turned over the diary, which is very, very upsetting to time traveler Ginny, who was yeah. not able to do that despite her, you know, best efforts and, like, and, you know, maybe I'm just, like, honed in on this because I love the very secret diary so much but like that's so understandable also for ginny to be really upset by this implication that somehow it's like oh if you just tried a little harder then like you would not have been victimized you know yeah right? yeah but um they they try to calm her down saying like look things went a little different in this timeline also um like people she was more cautious about this kind of thing because people had died at hogwarts in year one like People including had her it, brother, including yeah. Including her brother, like, she was more fearful and that, like, I- in a good self protective way in this sense. Because even in, you know, Chamber of Secrets, you're supposed to, you learn that, like, oh, she came really close to being able to get rid of the diary a couple times and just, like, it had too much of a hold on her for her to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was, like, such a cool character moment and, like, a little connection to
3: make
1: but that's when the emotional work actually felt really strong like I, she was suspicious of other jenny you know and then mm-hmm. she was just you know angry at herself basically and but taking it out on the other jenny i thought that was i mean especially cuz you know she's still a teenager too it was just it felt and she'd been through something like that it felt very real whereas yeah lily's emotional work maybe would have felt more real if she was also a teenager i don't know but Ginny, the stuff with jenny was really good
0: yeah as a counterpoint to that i also just like luna's reaction to time traveling luna which is complete calm acceptance so the two lunas and their dad just like chat
1: that's it love it yeah we even have a point where um madam pomfrey calls up lily and, and she's just like the, the two Lunas are driving me crazy. They they keep talking at the same, saying the same thing at the same time, and I was just like, of course they do. They just love being two Lunas because that those yeah we have two Jennies and two Lunas, so yeah, it's very uh, very cute.
2: Um, after this after this uh download on everything that has happened in the other timeline. We get the explanation as to how they ended up hopping into an alternate dimension, uh, which I liked because honestly, fan fiction skips this like 80% of the time. They're just like, "Eh, no, no, no. There was some Time Turners. Something happened, and they like don't Mm -hmm. try to go into like magically how or why that would happen or to come up with something. So I did want to point that out because it isn't normal in fan fiction to get the actual explanation for the magic.
0: It's good magic babble. Can you lay it down for us how this happened?
2: Yeah. So basically, uh, Voldemort went back in time with Time Turners and amassed a few uh, past selves of himself. And then there were three Voldemorts in Harry's timeline. So they had to battle the three Voldemorts who were all wearing time turners who were all wearing time turners that are the same time turner because the time travel. And when they destroyed those time turners, they created a paradox, a time paradox, because all three time turners were the same time turner. And all six teenagers were covered in the sand from, that was made from destroying the time turners, which protected them from this paradox, basically ripping them into shreds. So it ripped into shreds these three Voldemorts, and then they, being protected from being ripped to shreds, Still had to have some kind of consequence from being inside this paradox moment, and they were tossed into an alternate dimension.
0: And isn't it that two of the Voldemort's, the Voldemort's that like, I mean, I I don't want to think about the time travel involved here, but like two of the Voldemort's were ripped to shreds, but one of them very likely came with them. Maybe is that it? No, no that's not. All, it. No, three, no, all three of three them died to, to shreds. No. That's yeah, right.
2: All three. That's, so that's they, fine. Because... Yeah, they did leave their timeline Voldemortless. Which I think the author did on purpose so that we wouldn't, like, feel like they needed to return to their own timeline to make sure that it was Voldemortless.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. And this is, of course, before Book 7, so we don't... Wait. Do we have to worry about Horcruxes? We don't, do we?
2: Well, they have the diary there and mention that it's... I think... Okay. Just... Now I gotta like... <laughs>
4: Yeah.
2: We're getting into the nitty gritty of Harry Potter continuity here. Uh. We we do this uh, uh, on every, let's see, release date. We always date our fan fictions by when they came out in relation to the books. So I should know this off the top of my head. And yet, yeah, this did come out post book six. But I think that they've thrown out Horcruxes, given how it ends.
3: Yeah,
4: I I
0: think so. We're not supposed to worry about it.
2: Yeah. Anyway, they do travel through dimensions because they are covered in time sand. And while that is a little bonkers, I think it's uh, it's fun.
1: Yeah, I like that because, of course, there's some weird unintended consequence for having three of the same time turner together being destroyed right like that doesn't well actually you might think it would happen more often than. <laughs> but i think we're supposed to assume it doesn't happen very often
3: probably,
0: um, every, probably every time it happens the whole event is excised from your entire timeline and you never know that it happened or
4: something
1: like that true, yeah. who knows <laughs> right but like uh, it's it's you know a very like star Trekky explanation like it makes sense if you follow this logic, like, right. that this this sort of physics exists. Alternate universes and time travel are just connected. And right. we have, like, a, I don't know, cultural precedent in fiction for that to be the case, so I'm cool
4: with
0: it. Yeah. And also at the end of Chapter 2, we get to have, like, Hermione and Lily shouting more directly at each other, but also, um, you know, she... I think when she, Lily, like, oversees or spies on more directly, like, Hermione and Harry, like, having a moment after Harry wakes up and Hermione talking about how emotional it is for her to see her parents, who were tortured and killed by Voldemort in their continuity. And that's kind right. of what brings it, that's kind of what brings it home for Lily, where it's like, oh, shit, these are kids who are traumatized, and also I've been a really super mean to Hermione.
2: And very selfish about the yeah. whole scenario.
0: Yeah, but she only gets a moment to dwell on that because then the other plot
4: kicks in. Yes. <laughs> right. I, I,
2: we get a foreshadowing of this in the very first chapter when everyone arrives and uh, Neville, who is the chosen one in this timeline, or the boy who lived, is, uh, is unveiled to be back. Uh, a dark shadow of a figure that you don't know who it is sort of scurries off right so we get the foreshadowing that this is going to happen in the first chapter but it does hit really quick
0: yeah we also get a line in the first chapter or second at some point between james and voldemort where james not james and voldemort james and dumbledore dumbledore (laughs) is not voldemort (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in this continuity
1: not in this fanfic
0: right yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh between james and dumbledore where james says you know if, if word gets out that the boy who lived is back it might slow like voldemort might pull back his plans and like slow down and Dumbledore's like it might he might also decide to speed it up so you know mm. let's figure out what's going on here
4: yeah
0: um,
1: there's some yeah
4: second one of those was right
1: <laughs> yeah There's something they mention about this timeline when they're going through it. Chapter two is kind of like a little bit of an info dump, but also you get everyone's kind of perspective on the differences in their world and emotions, which are well done. Um, But uh, you get that Voldemort's, they compare it to like he's been playing a chess game, like just little moves here and there in this timeline. Whereas in the timeline, our protagonists are from, it was all at war. So there's just a... a very like a big difference in um first of all what the kids have been through and then secondly like what voldemort has been doing right and so yeah he he kind of uh end of the chapter it's like who shows up first bellatrix maybe a bunch of death oh. eaters just show up and swarm the place
0: yeah. yeah it's like lily and james are coming back down from spying on hermione and harry who are still in the uh his office, what, what do you call it in Hogwarts? Hospital wing. And, you know, that's that is Lily's like moment of like, oh, I've, I've been unfair to these kids and, you know, acting badly. And then Bellatrix Lestrange's like, don't worry about it because we're in the Great Hall with wands to everybody's heads. And it's just this swarm of Death Eaters and uh, Voldemort himself who are there with the en- entire student body of Hogwarts under hostage, including Lily's. Children of this continuity, and all the other time travelers who are not Harry and Hermione and Dumbledore, and you know, like who's been frozen in place, and it's just a real bad situation. Yeah. Very, very cliffhanger.
2: And the very last thing we get out of this chapter is the mention that that uh, Voldemort says when Lily arrives, when Lily and James arrive, that the murderer has finally arrived.
0: Right. And because it's going to come out shortly in the next chapter, tell us what the deal is, what revelations come out, because we're not done with revelations about the past in this Never fanfic. Never done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Lily is the one who killed Voldemort in this timeline. They showed up after after they saw that baby Harry was dead. They all were went to go try and save baby Neville, and they got there just in time to save him. Lily burst on in and killed Voldemort, because she also didn't know that he would not die technically.
0: And then Dumbledore yeah. took credit for it. Yes. She because... take the heat off of Lily.
1: Yeah. It's it's well done. It's like Hermione asks is asking a lot of questions initially, um, being suspicious of the timeline. And one of the things that comes up is she's like, Dumbledore, why would you cast the killing curse like you knew it wouldn't kill him? And then she compares it to his scenario in their timeline where he was in a similar situation and did not do that sort of thing. Like he says, oh, kids were in danger. She's like, well, you didn't do that in our timeline when kids were in danger, right? Or something to that effect. Yeah. And so it's a nice way to wrap it up. Like, oh yeah, it was actually Lily. And like, no duh, Dumbledore is going to take the credit because otherwise Voldemort and his posse would be going after Lily all the time. So.
3: Mm-hmm. And what
0: that also means is that in chapter three here, with so many characters involved and so many lives at risk and, you know, so many people being threatened, it means that the author lets it be emotionally really about Voldemort and Lily, because Voldemort very specifically has this hate on for Lily and wants to, you know, cause her emotional pain as much as possible. And, like, so it's very well done in terms of keeping the... I mean, I can't... I don't know if I can strictly call this a focused fanfic in some ways, but, like, In terms of the drama, it keeps all the drama where the author wants it to be, I
4: think. Right. Yeah, very (laughs) Lily-centric. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were saying before we started recording that despite this being 28,000 words, it feels like a whole novel. I think the reason it does is it has this arc, right? Like, you've got the first two chapters and at the end of chapter, like, it kind of establishing you know what's going exposition but then also emotions and then you know conflict and resolution and now we're turning to the big dramatic action scene with a lot of tension and that's like Voldemort holding Lily's family hostage casting a—I I think it's the cruciatus curse on everybody the one that makes you in agony and torture and torment mm-hmm. um and basically yeah trying to to I don't know do what to Lily like destroy her I guess kill,
0: kill her family one by one I yeah. mean it's not pleasant material so I don't feel like we need to dwell on the boat blow by blow but the main action is that uh, Voldemort wants Lily to suffer and also secondarily wants to make sure that Hogwarts is one hundred percent locked down but but Voldemort's not super worried about whoever's remaining because the boy who lived is right here which is Neville and you know right. at his mercy so whatever.
1: Yeah,
0: um, But, you know, mostly it's like Voldemort wanting to psychologically torture Lily and Lily trying to buy time for, like, right. the first part of things.
2: This, this section, like, mid this chapter is sort of where the author lost me a little bit uh, because it does get bonkers. Um, <laughs> and I, like, so you know, Harry and Harry and Hermione are in the hospital wing still, as at the beginning of this chapter, and Voldemort sends some Death Eaters to go get them. He doesn't know who they are. He just wants everyone who is in Hogwarts, like you were saying, on total lockdown, he wants them all in this room with him so he can look them all in the eyes and whatever. So he sends some Death Eaters to go get them. These Harry and Hermione in whatever timeline they came from are like a little OP. Like they just somehow like killed like seven death eaters straight off the bat. They have no issues with murdering people. They're into it. And then quote,
0: they with some curse that made their eyes shrivel up in their skulls.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some intensity and and they do it like they do address this earlier that in their timeline, they're at war, right? They've seen horrors, they're at war. But yeah, no, they do some crazy stuff. Like later on, the way they kill Peter is horrifying. Gruesome. Yeah,
2: Yeah. they're definitely they are uh, not not afraid to uh, do some questionable things, which in our timeline, we are. Harry is always trying not to do questionable things. So, this is definitely a a a war a war torn, a war worn Harry Potter. Uh yeah. But yeah, they they go and they get they don't end up getting Harry. They get Hermione and Harry goes to the Chamber of Secrets to open it and get the basilisk out.
0: Yep, yeah. that, that's what Hermione was buying time for. And, you know, she's, she's back, like, leaking information as slowly as possible to give Harry time. She's like, oh, yeah, the other, the other kid needed to go talk to a ghost. And Voldemort, you know, is just having fun because he thinks, like, oh, ghosts can't do anything or whatever. And, yeah, then the basilisk busts in. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Chamber of Secrets was never opened in this timeline as previously established.
1: And like, there's something with like Voldemort being like, well, I'm the only parcel tongue or whatever that I know of. So I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess they're really rare, but, you know, it's something about the fact that, uh, you know, they don't know that Harry exists, right? And that he's a parcel tongue. He could talk to the basilisk, I guess. But I still don't really understand why that's super relevant. I don't know.
2: I think that the author loses a little bit of a handle on how the actual connection between Harry and Voldemort works uh in this portion. And it it might just be because they didn't know what happened in the 7th book. Um but Harry knows that Voldemort is there and all this stuff is happening because he gets a little uh his scar tingly and he can see what voldemort sees or whatever for a moment and he should not have that connection with voldemort in this timeline
1: yeah i was about to say that like (laughs) huh and i didn't think about this as it was happening um i even went and because we we read this initially quite earlier i went and reread it last night Mm -hmm. i it's so much i mean i guess i was sort of skimming but still it's so much information that yeah, there's a few things that don't quite hang together, and I didn't even notice that one. But yeah, he shouldn't have a connection with this universe's Voldemort. But he does. Okay. Well,
0: <laughs> it's fine. Right, I mean... It, I Okay. Yeah, I don't know. In this case, it just seems to be like being a parcel tongue. but I didn't think Harry would could ever tell the Basilisk what to do despite speaking Snake in the first place, right, originally. Right. Like, whether or not he had a connection to like this timeline's Voldemort or whatever. But I you know. Do, you do get yeah. a cool scene, though, where... Voldemort is in the Great Hall and a Basilisk is murdering Death Eaters outside and he can't afford to leave because that, because of the standoff he has here with too many people who are potentially dangerous.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: He's got to keep his eye on Dumbledore. He's got to keep his eye on Lily. And he sends a bunch of Death Eaters out there to just get slaughtered because he knows what's out there. He knows what's coming. They're not going to be able to stand up to that.
0: And then... And Lucius Malfoy eventually comes in, got, you know, his mask is ruined, face obscured with blood, and he's like, yeah, it was a basilisk, we finally got it. And (laughs) it's the final, the final totally bonkers plan that's going to result in (laughs) defeating Voldemort here. uh, Because, yes, Lucius says, I saw a boy who looked like the blood traitor Potter, but he fell when he was hit with a stray killing curse lucius responded putting an odd emphasis on the phrase killing curse which is relevant
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and then while and then hermione starts like expanding like piecing together everything she describes the secret about oh lily's actually the one who killed you and you know it's it's dramatically placed but it's also just buying time for lucius malfoy to like walk around the edge of the room
2: (laughs) Yes. For Capping quote, all... unquote, Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> Capping all the, the Death Eaters on the shoulder like it's a game of Heads Up 7 Up or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that basically how it goes down?
2: Yeah. He's putting homing charms on them, which Lily can tell is happening. Uh, and apparently not any other person can tell is happening.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: This is This is when it goes real off the rails. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs>
0: What is happening? What happens here in the end?
2: Um they Harry when he was in the Chamber of Secrets milked the basilisk and took all of its venom, put the venom in some darts, put the darts in a sack. He was carrying them with him and then he put homing charms on all the death eaters and then he sent them out and the darts out and poisoned them all with basilisk venom. Easy peasy. Came up with that plan in about five minutes in the hospital it, wing.
0: It's so super, like you know, role-playing game PC sort of plan where it's like time pauses while they're hashing out some ridiculous shenanigans about like, okay, what can we do here? What have we got? Sick. And then, like, at, in are the the... gaming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in the end, the DM's like, "That's ridiculous, but it's super cool. So let's let's roll to see if it works."
1: that is exactly how this feels. And it's sort of like, because the author did seem concerned with details and the details are all there. It's just, there's the reasons like there's, well, I guess they're not all there because it's like, why would the basilisk let Harry milk it? Maybe he threatened to kill it. Cause he's clearly a murderer in this <laughs> timeline or whatever, but it is super cool. Right? Like mm-hmm. it is kind of awesome.
2: Yeah. Um, and, just... and the
1: detail about, Harry being able, being in a metamorph- med, just whatever, comes back in because he's disguised himself as Lucius, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of cool how all the things come together. I just wish that they made
4: a little bit more sense. Right. A little bit.
1: <laughs> but it is cool.
0: <laughs> and then it's just Voldemort who was not able to be poisoned, but Hermione, you know, when he and when Harry and Voldemort are struggling magically, Hermione says, Voldemort used this world's Neville to resurrect himself, not you. Your blood protection still works. So he's still got the, like, burn Voldemort and a touch thing going on, apparently. And yes. so he gets to, like, wrestle Voldemort and kill him to death with his bare hands around his neck or whatever. Like...
3: Which um... is,
2: like, really hardcore. And also not how the protection magic works. Um, which I think should have already been clear before Book 7. I think the connection, you can kind of be like, yeah, I guess that wasn't totally clear before book seven. But like this, Harry, this Voldemort never tried to kill Harry and never killed Lily. So Harry, th- th- this should not be able to happen for sure. This is just a well, throw cannon oh. out the window scenario.
3: One of the rules of time
0: travel is the law of the conservancy of Voldemorts, which says that one Voldemort (laughs) is equivalent to another Voldemort. It's like, they're all just Voldemorts. That's going to be the
1: case. Yeah. Now, but was it blood magic? Because if the connection is via the, like, literally, like, their DNA, it might make sense. Right? I think- I I don't think
0: DNA is in play in the wizarding world.
1: (laughs) Well, I get what you're saying. But they could explain it, Right.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, the it's not necessary. The blood magic is between Harry and Lily, not between Harry and That's Voldemort. Thought, yeah. So I would mm. think that because Lily did not sacrifice herself to this Voldemort, this timeline's Voldemort in order to for Harry to live then the blood, then, then the magic, the spell doesn't work because it's not the same Voldemort, but. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just really wanted Harry to strangle Voldemort to death for some reason.
1: They really, really did. Yeah. eh, Okay. Yeah. Again, (laughs) it doesn't all make sense, but it does result in kind of a neat, if a little grotesque action scene because right. we also get, um, who kills Peter? Was it? It was Harry. Harry, yeah. <laughs> Did some sort of magic on him where he just like, it, he transforms into a rat, but like in, the, in a messed up way.
2: He becomes um, a grotesque amalgamation of rat parts and human parts.
1: The way they describe it is like, they like how his leg, like he's screaming and pain. His leg like shapeshifts into a, a tiny rat leg, and then back into like a man sized rat leg, and then I guess he's got a prosthetic arm or something. And and it's uh, oh, I, I don't even his know. Hand, so... He cuts off
2: his hand in book four to so that oh, Voldemort hand, can yeah. become a yeah, a person again. It's,
0: but yeah, it's beyond right. Animorph's level body horror,
4: it's gross, way beyond. Yeah,
0: um, uh. well, at the end of this whole action scene, Harry's also knocked out. And, you know, like, in great pain and, you know, disfigured with burns from touching Voldemort and all that, which means Lily does get to cradle him in—oh no, Hermione gets to cradle him in her arms and say the same thing Lily said at the end of chapter one, which is, Harry, baby, wake up, please wake up. And, right. I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure there was a whole lot of point in doing that, but it it's very— you know i mean it forgetted. is the same
4: it's it's the
2: same it's the same thing that lily said to uh dead infant terry when they found oh him in that's right i
0: thought there was one more one yeah right okay
4: so lots it's... of
0: lots of motif showing up there
2: yeah
1: yeah i think the author was a little concerned with like we've mentioned before the um the Roles of the women around Harry, like basically the transference of the mother, uh, love to his fiance, right? It's like now she's gonna take care of him because men are basically babies,
0: First babies, apparently. Because Harry's
4: <laughs> body count is
0: pretty impressive. Oh
4: man, Hermione uh, I, I only don't killed think like, that was
0: the author's, but yeah, yeah, I only killed like seven people in this fanfic, and Harry got like I don't even know. If you count the basilisk, it's like a bunch.
2: I think the ca- basilisk ha- doesn't count, like, even count as one. Ears. The basilisk counts as like ten.
0: <laughs> That's true. Well, no, I mean l- letting loose the basilisk murdered a bunch of people. Right. Is what I mean.
2: I think he does. Yeah, I think he's since he's responsible for letting the basilisk out, he gets he gets to count count those in his kill count.
1: <laughs> now, what does everyone else do while Harry's doing all of this stuff? are they just also just trapped by voldemort i don't remember i feel harry like do all of the murder badassery or i forget it's I feel like it's there was a lot opportunity for stuff.
0: other people too but basically they don't like
2: yeah i think they all just chill could be wrong um i think it's important one thing that we did forget to note that is uh that is a uh, bonkers and should be addressed is that harry cannot be killed
1: Alright. Uh, <laughs>
2: Harry's unkillable in this universe, that's which a is, big
4: piece,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, way OP. Like you can't you can't be killed.
4: Anyway, he Wh- where gets do hit, they hit talk with about the... that. I
0: don't <laughs> Well, he, oh, he Yeah, that's why the, the killing curse thing was significant cuz Hermione was like, "Oh, Harry can't be killed by a killing curse." It's like, oh okay."
2: Yeah. Uh... He can never be killed by a killing
1: curse. He could still be, like, shot with a gun, though, right? Like, right. he's not like he can't, he just can't be killed by the killing curse, I, I believe. But still, yeah, what? Yeah. Oh,
0: no, no, never mind. No, she's, Sequoia's quite right. He's just unkillable. Because in Chapter 4, Ron gives an explanation where it's like, oh, there was this shit that went down, and Harry got hit by a killing curse and just bounced off and killed a Death Eater, killed another Death Eater. It dropped like yeah, flies. Yeah, he's, he's um, immune and-
2: to unforgivable curses, right?
0: No no because eventually the conclusion the description Ron gives is since the prophecy stated that only Harry and Voldemort could kill each other we kind of assumed that they were somewhat immortal except if they fought each other.
1: Right. Oh yeah. Oh. That's insane. That's pretty- Anyway, that's yeah. a, that's wait, the one
2: where you that- lose <laughs> me, I think.
1: <laughs> it's funny because yeah in chapter 3 um Ron says the unforgivable curses affect Harry differently than the rest of us, which I would have been like, okay, like they some they're different somehow to him, right? Like maybe they still do something bad, maybe they take years off his life, but no, it's he's just immortal. So. Just immortal, incredible. Yeah. Also, you know, there are plenty of great things about this fanfic, but yeah, the, the little pieces. Um, just to pick on something else, it's like the start of chapter four. Harry's fine. We just know right away he's fine. <laughs> and then we kind of just get like epilogue expo. So I was like, what was the point of ending on that cliffhanger? If you were just going to start the next chapter going like, oh, Harry's okay.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's for the motif, I think. That's the reason. Yeah, I guess um, so. I would like to, by the way, add, though, that Harry is allowed to to be the main bearer of the feeling of vengeful rage because Ginny has that line uh, thanks for helping helping Harry out by distracting Voldemort to Lily, responded Ginny. Mm-hmm. We thought the plan was blown when v- Voldemort threatened Hermione. That's, that's Harry's weak spot. Don't hurt his friends, especially Hermione. Ron, Neville, Luna, and Ginny shared a brief chuckle at their inside joke. Because most people do not get very angry when you threaten their friends, but action heroes can feel, you know, rage.
4: I don't know. It's just a very... We read
0: this other fanfic. We read um, Department... What's that one? It's like two... We took two episodes of it. It's the crossover. It's the changeover. Uh, Tori, what's that other fanfic we read with Super
4: Spy Harry?
1: Of Uncertainty.
4: Um,
0: Paradigm of Uncertainty, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Anyway, I just feel like there's a certain vein in the harry potter fandom where because harry is the main character of the series they want him to be a total badass Mm -hmm. and because he's really not in the main books i feel like sometimes they go a little bit too far in the opposite direction in fan fiction
2: one of our very favorite harry who is harry today scenarios on fanatical fix is sword wielding harry Ooh. Harry plus Katana's every time is bonkers and amazing. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, sort of like, like a snow crash, like hero protagonist from snow crash. You know, you, like, you just, he, he doesn't have except like, you know, that's tongue in cheek, but um, Harry like doesn't have a whole lot of personality. We've talked about this before that he's sort of like a way to the reader can slot themselves in. But I think people want to give him something, and like that's the main thing. like let's give him the protagonist, and therefore he will be the most powerful. Do the most action.
0: right. I understand it. It's just like, oh, here's shapeshifting immortal killing Harry. You know and
4: that's mm-hmm. who we got yeah. here
1: it's It's not a personality, but it's something to do. <laughs>
4: Well,
0: here's what I like about the falling action, which is that the the time travelers don't get to go back to their timeline and be like, our work here is done. Uh, Because as Dumbledore explains, it's like we cannot recreate the whole shenanigans that sent you traveling through time. Even if we could recreate it, we couldn't send you back to your own actual timeline because that's not something magic actually can do. So you're stuck here. And like one of you was saying before, like maybe Tori, it's nice that they wrote off Voldemort in their original timeline. So there's no like pressing, hanging plot threads that like you, the reader, are worried about there. But it means that like everyone has their own like weird dynamics that they have to like fit into in this other continuity. We haven't mentioned, but like, you know, Neville got to learn that like, oh, you were kind of an asshole in this universe and no one, you know, cried real tears when you died. So sorry, Neville. Also, your and family's your still dead. Your
3: parents are dead.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> but in <Yeah>. other cases. <laughs> It's like Ron and Hermione get to rejoin, and and Harry get to rejoin families that were, you know, incomplete in some way in either this continuity or their own timelines. And that's cool. And obviously, everyone's happy to have two Lunas.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, after spending so much time around, you know, especially Lily's kind of reflections on her grief, right? And, like, of course you want Harry to stay, right? His parents are alive. Like, that. that's perfect. And the fact that, you know, Hermione gets to be reunited with her parents, I think the whole thing about having two Ginny's might be a little weird, since she'd have the best reaction to her counterpart. But, mm-hmm. you know, Ron gets, you know, to be with his family. It's it's very satisfying, except for poor Neville.
2: Yeah, I, as I said in the very beginning, he draws the shortest of all sticks. He didn't have parents in his even, timeline or this timeline.
1: <laughs> we don't even get a lot of his from his perspective uh, at the end. Like, I don't I don't know. Like, I feel like your attention is immediately like, oh, Harry gets to be with his mom because it's been all from Lily's perspective. Right. And, you know, Hermione and run, you know, like, their families get to have them back and blah, blah, blah.
0: I feel like but we do I, get a moment, too, where Ginny gets to make peace with other Ginny.
1: Um, oh, we do get that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, or at least make a start towards, you know, being willing to talk to her.
2: Yeah, I I I like that they're staying. I like that we get a nice happy ending for a lot of them. What I what is hard for me to swallow is the complete and total change of tone really quickly is like you go from Harry just killed like 75 people in a matter (laughs) of, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. And then in the very next chapter, everybody's like, let's play a Quidditch game. New timeline versus old timeline. Hooray.
1: Yep. It was a little compressed and it did feel, yeah, like there was one chapter that was for action and then... You just kind of go back to where we were before, which is the emotional stories of these characters and trying to like you know get along with each other, even though they're from different timelines and blah 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 right, and they do like it's resolved. it's just yeah, you had the one chapter that just sort of felt like it was plopped down in the middle, but <laughs> that's not unlike the story arc of of you know maybe a Harry Potter book, right like right, you'll have some low level things happening and then. Big dramatic climax, and then back to the personal stuff.
2: Right, absolutely.
0: Well, at the end of the fanfic, Lily and Hermione also get to make peace and, you know, bond over their love of Harry, which leads to the delightful exchange that the fanfic ends on, um, where Lily and Hermione have, are both shouting at James to not encourage Harry to fly like a, a maniac and, you know, put himself <laughs> at risk. Um, that's kind of eerie, Harry said to his father. How similar they are. Yes, James agreed. Well, apparently it's true. All boys end up marrying someone a bit like their mother, James added and patted his eldest son on the back. Lily and Hermione shared a smile as the younger witch said to the senior, Do try
4: to keep your man in line. Only if you do. So that's great. I know. Yeah. Hard grace. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> it's going to be a big for yes for things. me. <laughs>
1: yeah it's it's hard it's hard to read because i really felt so much empathy for lily and then to have her just and hermione both shunted into these roles at the end with this trite dialogue just oh it was very it's like seeing a character that you like just like become a caricature, like right. this shallow, superficial, misogynist caricature. I was like, ew.
2: Yeah.
0: But that does bring us to the end of the 28,000 word plus fanfic. And I think we hit on all of the plot points to speak of. So congratulations, everybody.
4: Woohoo. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> not a small accomplishment with this one. <laughs> and I guess that leads us to things that we want to complain about before we end on praise.
1: I just did a bunch of complaining, so someone else should start.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess we got the whole kind of like um, implicit and sometimes fairly explicit kind of emotional gender roles and relationship gender roles that are fairly prominently featured sometimes. It's not the best.
2: Yeah, I think that if, you know, the most glaring issue with the fan fiction is probably that for me. Um, But if I were to put that aside, I would probably I would probably say that, like, there is some really cool explained magic stuff. And then there's just some stuff that got shoved in. And here we go. This is a bonkers magic thing that is happening. Don't ask me why it's happening. It is just happening now um which can be really really fun and is sometimes just like kind of overwhelming from like a overpowered standpoint i do think harry was too op in this story
0: yeah all the all the bonkers magic things you just have to accept in this fanfic mostly involve harry being totally awesome yeah <laughs> and it's like not just one thing right it's like it's like four different things like that yeah yeah um i agree and i'd also say to contribute something myself the pacing the fact that this fanfic is so dense means that it's kind of hard to stay engaged with the level of elevated tension that this fanfic requires like by -hmm. the time you're halfway through chapter three you're just kind of tired because it's like (laughs) this fanfic's been going on all cylinders for like quite a while at that point in terms of like the amount of tension and the amount of like plot stuff that's been going on. And at that point, the amount of danger. And it's just like, there's not quite enough. um, What's the word I'm looking for? Contrast sometimes. Right. Or like some of the things to hit you with the full weight that they deserve.
1: (laughs) I mean, besides the misogyny that I was picking on and, you know, sort of the shallowness there. um, It's like, if the story had just been longer, maybe they could have covered all of the pieces they were missing. Like they missed the details they needed, but also the pacing would have probably been better served by like, I don't know, extending that action scene out a bit. So, or like giving more buildup or DS like uh, denouement towards the end. I don't know.
0: I feel like there was space maybe for something in between everybody reuniting with their families and Voldemort attacking. Like people poking around Hogwarts for like you know yeah a day and like kind of having (laughs) some more character beats because I I really liked some of the character beats that were going on there anyway I kind of wanted more of them I want more Neville and Neville kind of grappling with the fact that he's totally isolated and also has a bad reputation and also was like the the person who Harry is the role of in his continuity like Mm. all that kind of stuff and you don't really get any of it I want more Ginny experiences, and, you know, Ron experiences with a family where he died, like, you know, six years ago. Um, And that would have maybe let things kind of be a little bit calmer for a bit before, like you said, uh, all the the danger and murder starts happening.
4: I just
1: want more Luna talking to Luna. Yeah, for
3: sure.
0: (laughs) But I think that's a good (laughs) lead-in to things that we want to praise about the fanfic, because I really... I, I I was gushing about this before, but, like, those things with Ginny and with Luna, those just sort of, like, really on-point character moments and emotional connections sometimes that I would not have thought to make, I thought were really well done and compelling and kind of my favorite things about the story.
2: Yeah, I think that, like, creativity-wise, this was off the charts. There... I would have never been able to come up with some of this some of this bonkers magic and I liked that there was a there was this alternate universe where Neville is the chosen one that's one of my favorite things to read about um I do love how much we get of Lily even though some of it is not uh great we do get Since we get none of Lily in canon, actually, it is really nice to have that moment with Lily and the Marauders and all of them being together. And um, this is absolutely background Wolfstar. That child is Remus and Sirius's child, 112%. (laughs) But yeah, I liked having those moments with characters that we don't actually get in canon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's some something really kind of delightful about how this u- alternate universe is kind of constructed giving lily's perspective on everything you know even just the gloss of having the new characters like their the children come in like Sirius's daughter and and the lily's children and there's and what i really like is just Lily's, like, emotional story, even though, yeah, like we said, it's not, like, it's not 100%. But and maybe everyone's emotional story. But it's it's very clever to have it from Lily's perspective because she gets to react, for instance, when Neville is told that his parents are dead in this timeline, he just goes, okay. And Lily gets to go, like, whoa, that was a bizarre, you know, reaction. Like, because she doesn't know, you know, and he gets to explain it. So it's, like, a good way to set up you know the exposition, the relationship of the characters, and also just to have like a perspective character to field everyone's emotions. I guess. And um, what just, just really be clear, thing just be is clear? Just be clear
0: that's Neville's reaction because he's like, "Oh, it's better than what happened to them in my timeline."
1: Yeah, yeah. Because and he gets poor to poor Neville. That. Yeah. The only the, the other thing I wanted to say is what I—it's really strong when um when Lily finds out Harry's been abused too, because she's like, "What did I do to him?" And Sirius has the same reaction because when he finds out Lily was dead because he assumes he would have taken him. He doesn't know he went to ask him in the other timeline. And then when they find out he was sent to Petunia and her husband, um, they're just horrified. Yeah, it's, it's really strong writing in those parts when the yeah. feelings are coming out.
4: Yeah.
1: Ooh.
3: This was
0: a tiring one. <laughs> <laughs> are there any other thoughts we want to share or talk about about this fanfic before we close this out?
1: i think we got it
2: yeah i think i covered it
0: well i've got to say i can see why this is a recommendation that people make um it i I didn't mention this before but this story lily potter and the worst holiday by bob Sakara, i think it is several places on the internet but the copy i was reading was on fanfiction.net which means it's not too hard to find and i'll provide a link there in the show notes of course before we officially close things out Sequoia, could you tell us again where we can find you and you talking even more about Harry Potter fanfiction online?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I actually have two podcasts. You can find me on Fanatical Fix and where to find them. You can find that on any uh, podcatcher app and on social media at Fanatical Fix. My second podcast is called But Make It Scary. It's a podcast where me and my guests take uh, romantic movies and turn them into horror films, and that is also on any podcatcher and app, but make it scary on
4: social media.
0: That sounds delightful. Second one That's, also.
1: What a clever idea! Thank <laughs> you. I like that.
0: This was episode one hundred and seven of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, "Lily Potter and the Worst Holiday" by Bob Sakara. It should be coming out near the actual worst holiday of Valentine's Day, uh, around February 15th, in our timeline. Once again, you can find it on fanfiction.net, and I'll provide the link in the show notes. If you want to find us, we have a website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com, or bit.ly slash retrofanfics. And if you got—sorry, retrofanfic, just one. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us all over the place, such as at Twitter at retrofanfic or an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. There are also accounts on Facebook and, um, the site with the pictures. Which one's that? Tori? Tumblr? Instagram. Tumblr, right. Wait, Instagram. Oh, Instagram. We have, we have Instagram, not Tumblr. Thank you. <laughs> um, where we are also retrofanfic. Leaving comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever you're using to listen to us is also greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori.
2: And I'm Sequoia.
0: We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other in this timeline where we died as children. Until next time, take care.
1: <laughs> That's the interesting one, mine. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was stranded here at 17 and had to make my way in the world.
1: Reunited with your formerly dead parents.
0: My parents weren't dead in my own timeline.
1: It was just like this timeline. Completely the same. So you just left your your old set of parents behind? (laughs)